Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I speak with Leah, who explains to us what unconditional love means for her. Enjoy. Welcome to my podcast, Leah. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Um, as is my custom, I will introduce you in my own words and kind of like give the audience an overview of who you are to me very specifically, and then feel free to add to that or tell them um, how you think we met or what I mean to you, what kind of connection you have with me. So Lee and I, we met, this is becoming a red thread throughout the podcast conversations that I have. We met through Sandbox. Um, at a certain point, I signed up for a sandbox retreat in Bali, organized by the Singapore Hub. And that's where I met Leah. And I remember that we had a short conversation, I think on the very first day of the, of the retreat. We were just sitting there having a short conversation. And then we were talking about travel and other countries. And you mentioned Vietnam and I was like, oh, I've never been there. And you said something like, hey, you want to go? And I'm like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> and then um, a couple of weeks later, we were in Vietnam together for a month. And that was awesome. Uh, yeah, that's the story. Beautiful serendipity. And I also think the open heartedness it took from, frankly, both our ends to suggest that in the moment and agree to it in the moment and follow through just a couple of weeks after is, is beautiful. I think telling of our, our friendship and our relationship too. Mm, especially because I remember it wasn't that easy because it was the Chinese new year. And there was a thing with like, we had to get visas for Vietnam. Oh, and, you and mean like Tet? the office was closed. It was, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I still have photos of us um, in this massive karaoke room in Vietnam. Do you remember this? We were <laughs> trying to everywhere in Ho Chi Minh to find a place to eat and we barely found one. And it was like in a karaoke room that was like gold and purple and meant for like 20 people, but <laughs> it was just the two of us. Um, so was, yeah, happy yeah. Vietnamese New Year to you. Yes. One of the many weird experiences that I had with you on, the, on that trip, I guess. <laughs> weird and beautiful yeah. experiences. Great. Honored. Yes. Mm, so Leah, um, in this podcast, we speak about relating to self, you know, how we show up to ourselves, how kind we are to ourselves, how compassionate we are to ourselves, or how we navigate these waves of life um, that go up and down. And so I'm really curious to hear from you just very basically, when you hear this term relating to self, what is it that comes up for you? Yeah, great question. Um, when I think of the word relating to self, I think it is 
I, I think life is a journey of deepening your relationship to self. And we can go through tough times or good times or easy times or insert adjective here times, but things become so much um, easier to navigate when you have a solid relationship with yourself. And um, I really think of it as developing unconditional love and support for yourself as well and really being your your own best friend. And um, I think oftentimes we make our love for ourselves very conditional. And it's only if we show up in X, Y, Z ways, like we're achieving something or we are feeling happy or feeling validated that we love ourselves. But I think true unconditional love for self and relating to self in a really healthy way is when you can do that in the toughest of times as well. Mm, I like that. Wow, there's a lot of stuff to dig in there already. I like that you call this a journey of deepening your relationship with yourself. So it's not just about improving it, but also deepening it. Uh, that sounds quite interesting. So I would, I would love to know what that feels like for you. What makes a relationship with yourself deeper? Mm, yeah. What makes a relationship with yourself deeper? I think, um, I think everything we go through in life is just another path or option or way to deepen our relationship with self and um, even though it's through these kind of external presenting things like a relationship or a job or um or like a death or a divorce or whatever it is like things that are kind of happening outside of us these are all opportunities that the universe or whatever it is that that you believe in uh, giving us opportunities to create a stronger bond with ourselves so that we can move through those moments and, and learn about ourselves and know ourselves better um, and I think at the core of that is like trust and love for oneself and things feel hard and stressful and full of tension when those two things are missing. Mm, I like that. Trust and love. Yeah, I've, I've been speaking a lot also about this idea of self-trust, of trusting yourself um, and that being something that many people forget about when they think about trust, they always think about others. Well, I guess that the same goes for love, but could you maybe navigate me through what it means for you to trust yourself? Like, how does that present itself in the world? Mm -hmm. I actually think trusting yourself is very relational as well. And kind of part of my belief of um, things and situations in life uh, being presented to you in order to deepen your relationship with self. I think that... Um, Everything that we experience out there in the world is a mirror for us. I think that's especially true in intimate relationships, but kind of everything that we experience is, is a mirror for us. And um, <laughs> you're going to have to repeat your question. I, I, I went on a, a tangent. I forgot your, your actual question. I love that. I love when creative minds <laughs> kind of like have sidebars. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, the question was, um, when you speak about trust in yourself, how does that manifest? What, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, trusting myself is, I, I think not being afraid to just sit with myself in quiet and in silence. I, I do think we, we live in a very noisy world, like in terms of like literal physical noise, if you live in cities as well, but 
in terms of social media, technology, there's just so many options and choices and things going on all the time. So I think developing um, trust with yourself is not being afraid to just sit in silence and allow what, what comes up and every kind of feeling or emotion or whatever whatever comes up for you is valid and, and trusting that, that that's okay and that process is okay. I think often we punish ourselves when we feel certain things that we think we shouldn't. Um, this is a podcast, so I'm making air quotes right now, think we shouldn't. <laughs> um, and, and we only allow things out or feelings that we think we should feel. But everything is acceptable and so um allowing yourself to just be and to show up and um yeah not being afraid to sit in silence when when hard feelings come up as well and just letting that move through you mm. yeah i like this this is a, this is a slightly different definition of trust than we've had before also on the podcast which is interesting so it sounds like what you're saying is that it's the trust that whatever comes up in you is real and is relevant and you will accept it and allow it to be there Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think just ultimately a trust in the process. Mm. The process of you. So it's like the process of, of life and whatever <laughs> happens. And, you know, we, we can't, I think one of the most um, deeply unfortunate things that I learned during my journey of like evolution and like spirituality and like, uh, like shadow work and all of that is like, damn, like I can't control anything. And it sounds funny to say out loud, but like, oh my gosh, like subconsciously, like I really believe that I could control a lot of things, but ooh, honey, you can't control anything, especially the future. So I think part of trust is just believing in the process and not like, that doesn't mean believing that everything will turn out positive and great. It's trusting that no matter what happens, you can make it through. Like that's what real, mm. real trust is. I love that. I think that's very closely related to how I navigate this idea of um, dealing with what comes at you. I also have this very deep sense of trust that whatever life throws at me, I will be able to deal with it. And I agree with you that most things we can't control. But I think one of the one of the things we we have control over is how we choose to react right mm -hmm. if we if we are able to create more awareness around how we feel in, in each moment then instead of just automatically reacting to things we can take a take a breath or take a moment think about things see how we feel and then we can act from a more intentional place and i think that distinction between you know all the rest that we can't control and this one this one ability we have to just take a breath and then make an intentional, intentional choice. That is where my power comes in, I guess. I, I wonder if that feels similar for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, I, I also will say that I think you are one of the people in my life that embodies that the best as well. Like knowing that you can't control anything, but also just trusting that you can make it and that no matter what happens, you trust yourself to make it through that process. Um, and I remember kind of many conversations that you and I have had where I ne didn't necessarily trust that I could make it through a certain process. 
I didn't say that out loud, but I mean, you listening to me, you could probably hear that that was what was underlying when I was speaking. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you are definitely someone who embodies that. So I want to reflect that uh, back to you. Um, yeah. And of course, like we, we can't control anything. And I think that's, um, it's, it's kind of freeing. I think it's scary at first to think about that um, so many things are outside of our own control and like nothing can be controlled in future. Very frankly, it's not predictable, but it is also freeing to know that there's only so much that I can do. And like the rest is the rest is the rest. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, sounds like something like you can't take responsibility for what you can't control anyway. So there's no need to stress about that. And then that creates a relaxation. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned something around um, awareness and, and taking that breath and choosing how to um, how to react or respond to certain uh, situations. And I think this is very obvious, but self-awareness is key. I think when you can spend a lot of time doing work on yourself and knowing what you're triggered by, like, what are your traumas? Like, what are the things that are showing up for you in the moment? One of my favorite uh, quotes is, if it's hysterical, it's historical. If you have a really big reaction to something in the moment, it means it's historical. There's something bigger and deeper there than what the situation presents. So self-awareness is really, really key. And the more you can invest in kind of self-healing and, and knowing what that is for yourself, the better. And the other thing I will say to that is I think the other trap that people can fall into when it comes to like self-growth and self-awareness is thinking that you always need to be working on yourself or always like fixing yourself. And I see this in like the personal growth and personal development industry. I mean, it's become an entire industry at this point where people think that they have to be working on themselves all the time. And I do think for a lot of folks that comes from like a deep inner belief that like I am broken and I need to be fixed when you're actually, you're a whole imperfect human being. You are here and designed to be just the way a human is like whole and imperfect. And when we choose to heal and do more of this work, it's, it's just to, to live like a bigger life. It's not because you are broken or messed up. And I think that's, that's really the key there. And otherwise we fall into this trap of just thinking we're so inadequate. And that's the reason why we do all this quote unquote self-awareness work. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's many things I could say about that, about, you know, this industry and stuff, but I guess <laughs> that's not the most um, <laughs> sure, path yeah. for us to take, I think. Another podcast I, episode. <laughs> yes, yes. I want to go back to something you shared in the beginning of our conversation, and that was the term unconditional love. And as you probably know, I have a bit of a difficult relationship with the word love because it means so many different things in so many different contexts. And so it becomes a bit vague. So I would love to understand when, when you say, I want to cultivate unconditional love for myself or for someone else, what does that mean for you exactly? Mm, such a great question. Um, when it comes to unconditional love for myself, I mean, there's so many angles I could kind of analyze and discuss this from but I think at a very like simple or, or basic way of how I describe it I think it is through good times and bad you are there for yourself hmm. yeah that makes sense 
I'm just trying to think of the, the definition of unconditional love that I've had for myself for, for a while now. Um, I think the, the key element there in how I perceive unconditional love is that it doesn't ask anything, right? If I unconditionally love someone, that love manifests as a desire for that person to live a wonderful life. I would love that other person to, to shine, to be happy, to be joyful, to lead a deep, meaningful life. But that doesn't ask anything for me. If I can contribute to that person's journey in some way, that's wonderful. If not, that's also okay. But then when reflecting that on the self, that becomes tricky because how can you not ask of yourself that you want to have that kind of like life? So that becomes a bit a bit shaky. So I, I don't really know yet how to yeah, convert that term. I think I think that's a really um, interesting thought. And I think what I turn to when I when I think of unconditional love for self, um, in particular, the definition that you shared around um, love that literally does not have conditions, like love that you give freely and also receive freely. Um, I think there, the, at the crux of that is, for me, a belief that, like, just like like a core innocence and not believing that like you did this thing because you want to cause harm or that you want to like sabotage on purpose like we we don't do harmful things I think the vast majority of people do not do harmful things because they want to actually commit harm it's it's core wounds that are showing up and thrashing and 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 frankly causing harm but like not not because we that's a desired outcome mm. it's it's a way that that happens that that causes harm so i think what i turn to there and this is like the really difficult work of unconditional self love is even when you do cause harm and and i do think it's important to acknowledge and take responsibility when you do cause harm to others and, and to yourself but when those things happen like still have your own back and like that's that's so hard and you know I've I've had moments myself like going through therapy or like looking at my own past and and seeing like the harm that I've caused in relationships or with um with friendships or out there in the world that I didn't know that I was causing in the moment but looking back and I mean it's it's hard it's really hard to look at um how you show up in the world but also um, I think going back to this core innocence and and supporting supporting yourself there and additionally taking responsibility for that outcome too. It's a hard balance. Mm, yeah, I like that. For me, it feels it feels something like, you know, the main reason why I don't speak about self-love, like I don't call this the self-love podcast, but I call it relating to self, mm. is that for me that makes it easier to understand that relating to self is something that happens all the time. I always mm -hmm. have a relationship with myself, even when I don't love myself. And it sounds like in what you're describing, these these really difficult moments when you have to you know, face responsibility and make choices, sometimes you maybe don't act very lovingly towards yourself, but in those moments, you still need to show up and that's relating to self, right? Mm. Whereas if you speak about self-love or unconditional love, especially unconditional love, that seems like such an utopian thing to strive for. I can't say I embody that. Like, you know, there's many times 
in which I feel, I don't feel unconditional love for myself, but I can still say I'm still relating to myself and I can yeah. in that relationship to myself right now add a bit of kindness or usually compassion. Compassion is my yeah. number one thing. I think that takes the place of using this word love. I think this compassionate feeling, and I think it's related to what you called innocence, this idea that people mm. don't do harm on purpose, you know, being compassionate with the fact that sometimes I do things and things happen to me that hurt. And then yeah. that's just human, you know, understanding that that's the human condition and we can never escape mm -hmm. that. And we're all in this together. That really helps me to, to be kinder to myself in those moments. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. And I think there's probably kind of different kinds of terminology for what we're trying to describe. Um, I think we're trying to describe something very similar here. And my, my belief is that, and I agree with you, frankly, the word unconditional love sounds so big and almost heavy and loaded and Like unconditional is a very strong term as well as love. Like just think of all of the, um, like how love is regarded in society and talked about and thought about. Um, and like even in pop culture, there's just, there's so much behind those two words. Um, but also like if you, I don't know, looked it up in the dictionary, like it doesn't have all the weight of that we put behind those two words and those words, right? And so my view is I think we, when it comes to the word love, we put so much meaning behind it that it's um, it's hard to, to connect with it sometimes or like use it for a certain sentence or phrase or to describe something. But the way I see it, love is just another form of energy. Mm. yeah and the weird thing about love is that it's not always that loaded because if i say hey leah i love my cup of tea right now there is no doubt in my mind that you will not think like "Ooh, love that's a heavy and difficult concept yeah. that's just so yeah totally mm. but like that those are the meanings that we assigned in society we can say that we love our cup of tea no problem but saying we love a person like oh like that's that's a big deal like that those are the meanings we've assigned to love in society sure. right Yeah. Which is why I really like this other thing you also mentioned in the very beginning of this conversation. Good note taking. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. When you said to be one's own best friend. Mm. And I really like that. That's, that's beautiful. Tell me about how you are your own best friend. <laughs> I mean, I will be the first to say that I'm not always my own best friend. That is the friendship status I strive towards in my relationship with self, but it doesn't always happen. But the way I think of it is, um, and I'm sure you've heard this analogy tons as well. It's like, would you say that thing to your best friend that you just said to yourself? And always the answer is no. And so I think the whole principle there is like, treat yourself with the same amount of love and kindness and support and compassion that you would to someone that you love so much because at the end of the day like the person who's the most important in your life it's it's not your mom it's not your partner it's not your kid it's actually yourself yeah and so that's that's yeah, kind of like treat the, yourself accordingly yeah that was the the main starting point for me for for this whole mm -hmm. journey realizing that 
the relationship I have with myself is the only one that I will always be in. All yeah. the other people will, you know, at some point change or, or just stop totally. being there. But I will yeah. always be here. And I think sometimes people will hear that and think of it as like, oh, that's so selfish. Or that like, you think that you're the most important person in your life. Like, like, what about your children? Like, they need you. What about your mother who's provided for you? Or what about X, Y, Z? But it's it's not selfish and it's not egotistical because your relationship with yourself is equivalent. It's like that defines and shapes your relationships with everyone else. The better relationship you can have with yourself, the better relationships you'll have with others. So whichever way you want to like look at it, whether it's doing it for yourself or doing it for others, it's, it's the same output. It's equally important. Yeah. I, I agree with that so much. I think in the end, we are a social species. Mm -hmm. we, we cannot do anything else than actually navigate the world in relationship to others. And everything we do will also be for others and for the benefit of others, because that will define how we show up to them. So I, I'm very much aligned with that. Mm -hmm. Let us go back to something else that you said earlier, which was, you know, it's all about self-awareness. It's all about getting this quality of knowing what's up with you in the moment and knowing how to react to that. How do you practice self-awareness? Do you have any kind of practices or rituals or habits that help you be more aware of yourself in every moment? Mm -hmm. How do I practice self-awareness? Would you like me to answer that as how have I gotten to my current state of self-awareness or how do I do it like kind of more on a daily mm. habit basis? Can we have both? <laughs> Can you? <laughs> of course. Great. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'll start with kind of the journey of the history. Um, yeah, I think my journey to self-awareness, I mean, I'll, I'll start by saying that I think I've generally always been a pretty introspective person. I've I've just naturally um, wanted to reflect and introspect. I think the degree and the maturity with which I did it differed throughout my life, but I was always a really sensitive child. I still am a highly sensitive person. But I went through a period in my life, um, kind of during my late teen years, early 20s, where I really detached from my sensitivity. And um, at the time, I just thought that, you know, like, I'm like growing up and this is just what's happening. But really, is is response to some like family trauma. So that's how I chose to react and, and survive in the moment. I thought it was safest in the moment to detach from my sensitivity because taking in all of that would be just too much for my system. And I didn't, I didn't have the tools to cope. And so sometime in my like early twenties, I chose to, I, I just, I knew something wasn't right. And at the same time, I think I, was, I felt very blessed that around me, like there were mental health movements, people were talking about mental health and kind of psychology and trauma and all that. And I know that that's something that kind of generations before me didn't have the privilege of of being surrounded by so um I had like my best friend had just started going to therapy and so had a few of my other friends and so I decided to explore that myself um and it's I think this is always the case with therapy but the topic you think you're going in for 
isn't actually <laughs> the thing that you end up unpacking. And so I went in wanting to resolve a certain kind of relational trauma. And oh, what what came after was this feels like like a, a clickbait title or something. What came after was not what you would expect. And so I think that just opened up so much in me. And it also helped me come back home to myself and my sensitivity as well. And um yeah, doing like therapy and like kind of being more uh, open-minded to even doing like yogic breathing practices or like breath work and like reading certain literature, having conversations, or, like participating in more like kind of life, personal development, transformation, that kind of work. And um, yeah, it. I think we all have the ability inside of us to grow and stretch and to heal. It's just a matter of whether we can open that. I think that's the hardest part to like open ourselves to that. And um, yeah, so I think that is like the the quick summary of my, my um, journey through uh, getting to where I am now. Um, and I think what that's opened up for me is just like a level of authenticity that I can't live without. I... I think in the past, I might have been a little bit shyer to like say certain things or think about what other people feel. And um, I, I don't care for that anymore. Of course, I'm not going to say that, like, I don't care what anybody thinks, because I don't think that's true of anyone in the entire world. But I'm not willing to abandon myself again. I think that's key. And that's uh, certainly something that I did before the self-awareness journey. On your second question around how I embody that day to day. Um, I have some daily practices that really help ground me. So, um, one thing is I don't look at my phone first thing in the morning. So I always have my phone on airplane mode and I look at it like half an hour to an hour after I wake up and I have a morning routine. I always play the same like playlist in the morning and it really helps ground me. I have like a, I do like a short meditation every morning as well. Um, and then I get ready, make breakfast, make my tea, all of that. And once I'm feeling grounded in myself, that's when I take time to respond to the world. I don't respond to the world the first thing when I wake up. I like do my own thing, make sure I'm feeling grounded and then um, start reacting to the world. Um, and kind of similarly at night as well, I take time to kind of ground myself and just listening to your body. I think it's so important to listen to your body. And I think we also live in a time and society and again, so many distractions where it's very easy to not have a connection with your body. And, and very frankly, that was me like even up to like three years ago. Um, but yeah, doing things, whether it's like actually exercising or doing more mindfulness practices or um having having friends in a community that that really like thinks about kind of your relationship to physical body as well um and I think I had a tendency when something felt off in my body I would just either a ignore it or b like cognitively like make up a story about it which neither are helpful by the way it's what is helpful is listening to your body and what you need and often I think the emotional and physical are so intertwined as well so if you feel like a certain stomach ache like yes like it could be that you ate some weird food very possible but it could also be that like oh my gosh you have so much anxiety about this relationship or about this like work project that you're on and, and listen to that 
So I think our bodies are so wise if we only took the time to listen to it. Mm, I love that. That's such a beautiful quote. Our bodies are so wise if we only took the time to listen to them. And yeah, I can very much relate to that for me as well. Learning to tap into that wisdom of the body, what the body knows has been crucial in, in navigating to have how to have a better relationship with myself as well. Mm. But I want to come back to, to the first part, like the, the development story of, you know, how to get there. And I was especially struck by this, what you said about having access to mental health support. I think that is so crucial. Um, and that is something that I lacked, like in the society that I grew up in, in the time that I grew up in, mental health support was something for crazy people. It was something that was not just not available. It was not spoken about. Nobody went to therapy. And so it didn't come to my mind even. It, it didn't present itself as a possibility until I was, I was much older. Mm. And then interestingly, because you said, you know, if you go to therapy, it never ends up being about what you <laughs> think it was going to be about. Yeah. That was actually not the case with me. I went exactly for, for what it was about, you know, my relationship with my mother. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Yes, that's what it's about. Great. So, yeah, but it's really good to hear that, you, you know, you had that support and you had that, you had those examples, your, your best friend going mm. to therapy. I think that's so important that we talk yeah. about and that. And, you know, just a, a quick note on that. Like, I think that's why you mentioned when, when you were first going to therapy and, and kind of getting mental health support, people weren't talking about it. It was seemed like as something for crazy people. And I think that's why it's so important, even in this day and age, like when there are like campaigns and awareness about mental health and organizations, like it's different to hear about it from a friend or someone that you know. So I think so it's so important to share this journey out loud and talk about it out loud and and just, I, I know different people have different comfort levels, but even just sharing the fact that um, very casually, like if someone asks you, hey, like, how are you? What did you do today? Saying, oh, I just finished my therapy session. Even just saying, like making it casual because it should be, it doesn't have to be this like major like thing that you have to be shy from or taboo, just making it normal, like normalizing these things in conversations, I think it's so important. Absolutely. I agree. And it's usually also the first thing I tell people when, you know, when they come to me, they have no experience whatsoever in relating to themselves. They have no mm. practices. They've never engaged with anything. The first thing I always say is like, have you gone to therapy? Because mm. I feel that's kind of like the, the starting point, because of course, sure, you can dive into meditation immediately, or you can read complicated books about psychology of self and you know, development models. But I think just, just having that trained professional to speak to who can reflect certain things back at you is, is such a, such a simple and necessary practice. So yeah. totally, I, I almost see therapy as like, I don't know if you see healing as <laughs> let's use the analogy of school. If you see healing as like, I don't know, like a course, like a university program that you're in, just just go with me here with this analogy. I am going and with you. like you're reading books and you're like watching videos or whatever. And like these, this is a theory, right? You go to your lectures, you go to your seminars and you hear about all these theories and therapy is like field work. Like you're out in the field, like you're doing the work and you're actually able to develop the tools because you're actively engaging in and doing that. And so I think there, there was a period of time where I 
was going to therapy and I didn't feel like that I could do that inner work on my own. I just, I didn't quite feel like my tools were developed enough. I do feel that I'm at a stage now where I can kind of journal or kind of process and by myself or like out loud with a friend. Um, And I, I have the tools to be able to do most of that stuff on my own. I do think still like therapy is valuable and as a professional who's there to support you for that thing. And then that's, that's a huge value in itself. But um, yeah, going to therapy is like the, the field work of actually like being on the ground and like doing the work. And I think once you do enough of that, you have the confidence inside you and, and kind of the tools and self-esteem to, to reflect and, and do that work on your own. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I really like that. This idea of going through therapy to also develop these tools that you can then use on your own or with people around you. That's great. Yeah. Wonderful. As we come to the conclusion of this conversation, Leah, um, <laughs> I have two more questions for you. And the first is a somewhat um, traditional weird question that I have for people. Um, traditional weird question. Yes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I use it often and... I think you probably already have heard it. So the question is, what question would you have loved to receive from me during this conversation, but I didn't ask? Oh, wow. I have actually not heard this. What question would I have loved to receive from you, but didn't ask? How have you evolved? How have you evolved? Yeah, that's a deep one. That could go many places. I like that. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I then ask the question, (laughs) but I guess in this case, I won't. This one's another episode. (laughs) Yes, that's definitely the case. That's definitely the case, but it's beautiful. I think there's many more things to say. So who knows? Mm -hmm. And then just to end, I would love to know if you want to share anything with people listening to this podcast. Can they follow you somewhere? Do you have any thoughts to share? Is there any specific resource that you would recommend when it comes to helping people relate to themselves? Feel free to share anything, really. Yeah, good questions. Um, as a closing message, I think I think we talked about so many things today and so many concepts and and factors and uh, and words. And I I think the most important thing out of everything that we've discussed is trusting yourself. I think once you trust yourself, everything else is so much easier. Even like the outside world, your relationships, how you respond to the world, um, how you think about things, your mental health. So I think if anywhere, start with developing trust with yourself. I think that's that's the most important. Um, yeah, and I I tend to to share my my journey and my thoughts on like my social media. You can find me um my channel, sorry, my handle across everything. I'm probably most active on Instagram where I share like stories and posts is Leah E Bay. That's L-E-A-H-E-B-A-E. And I'd love to connect with you there and um, to hear your thoughts. Great. I will make sure that I post the link also in the description of this podcast so people can easily find it. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Leah, for this conversation. Thank you for inviting me. I so appreciated it. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, 
please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks. <laughs>